0: Hello, I'm Reem and you're listening to Art Smitten. And today I have James Hewison, the Head of Film Programming at ACME, with me today to talk about the new documentary film, I Am Not Your Negro, by Roel Pack. And for those who haven't heard about the new documentary, you are missing out. And today that's all we're going to be discussing. So James, I just want to ask, what was your initial reaction to the film when you first watched it?
1: Firstly, thanks very much for having me. A couple of things before I answer that directly raoul peck is a director who has worked in feature films so narrative films documentaries he's made television he's someone who was born in haiti but has lived in fact in many cities around the world but has largely been based in paris for most of his adult life so he's in many respects a citizen of the world but his own circumstances most particularly his childhood which Mm -hmm. is reflected in a couple of films that he's made are uh, reflective of a certain political turbulence and he has said on many occasions even in fact before he made this documentary I'm not your Negro that the voice of James Baldwin had always been very present for him that the work of James Baldwin his writing his activism has always been extremely important for him not only as a filmmaker but also as a as a person so Rao Peck came to this film having really in some senses been inspired by and having used James Baldwin's words, his voice in a number of his previous films. So in a sense, it's not surprising that he makes this film. It's been part of an evolution, I would say. Mm-hmm. And also Ralph Peck is a is a very dedicated, quite political filmmaker. So The fact that he's made the film is not... uh, was actually something that was anticipated and had been talked about for some time. I think he'd worked on the project on and off for about 10 years.
0: Yes.
1: So the film uh, had its premiere, in fact, almost exactly one year ago. It created, unsurprisingly, a great impact immediately and still continues to do so at the various screenings, the various festivals and the releases that the film has had around the world. At the very least, one could speculate because of the title of your film, which is seemingly like a provocation. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the film, as with the title, the words that are used are James Baldwin's words himself. So when it's not footage of him speaking, and he's a very impassioned, very politicised speaker, very eloquent, very articulate speaker, uh, but the words uh, otherwise as a narrator are spoken by the very well-known American African-American actor, Samuel L. Jackson. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things to know and to remember about the film that the words that are used are James Baldwin's own words. So as you say, uh, a lot of the material comes from an unfinished manuscript that he was writing before his untimely death. Mm -hmm. And I would say too that the film itself and indeed what Baldwin represents as a writer as an activist, as an African-American, as a gay man. All of the things that are in the film are as relevant for us in 2017 as they were then when Baldwin was, was alive. I would say, too, that as much as the film is very much about a chronicle of not only a certain period in James Baldwin's life, but also very much about the times the civil rights movement in the U.S. However, it's very much about race relations in the world today. It's very much about race relations in Australia and indeed Melbourne today. So this is why, this is one of the motivations to screen the remarkable film at ACME from September the 14th. And it's also why we have framed a number of very special events around the film, around the film season here.
0: So so I was just going to ask, what was your initial, uh, initial reaction when you watched the film? I'm assuming you've watched the film?
1: Yes, I have seen the film three times. Oh. Now, actually. So I saw it uh, just under a year ago. Mm-hmm. I knew what the film was about, I knew the subject of the film. I'm quite mm-hmm. familiar with Rao Peek's work as a filmmaker. Yeah. So it's. Well, it's actually very rare, I think, for us to walk into a film these days and not know anything about it, of course. But so I felt already that I had a sense of anticipation, of course, as to the themes and what the style of film was going to be. But really, in a sense, nothing prepared me for the impact that the film had. And I would say on the two subsequent occasions that I've seen the film, so the first time the first Time and the most recent times have been with audiences and the second time I was watching it just by myself off my laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, entirely legally, I should add. <laughs> so I, I would say that even if now I've seen the film three times, the second time, the third time, really I relived the experience as if I'd experienced it for the first time. So it's, it's, it is a film that can have repeated viewings mm-hmm. and it's a film that, as I said, is a very reflective film uh, it's quite a devastating film to watch. It's quite devastating insofar as that you realise that the subject of the film, what James Baldwin was talking about uh, 50 years ago, really very little of those circumstances have really changed. Uh, so in a sense, that adds to the sense of a kind of bleakness. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I would say that what he offers as a human being who's filled with dignity, as well as great anger at the circumstances of his fellow African-Americans at that time, there is nonetheless a sense that if we can all at least be a little bit like him, as impassioned as him, Mm -hmm. and believe in those fundamental things that are essential to human rights, Mm -hmm. then we can all be activists together, in a sense.
0: Yes, most definitely. I agree. Also, because you've watched the film so many times, I guess it would be um, appropriate to ask you, what, what do you most what do you appreciate most about the film and what did you really gain from it? Good
1: questions. Well, I would say that I could... Because Baldwin himself is so articulate mm-hmm. and, as I said before, he's so impassioned, yep. What what is still remarkable over repeated viewings is to hear and watch him speak. And the context in which he speaks, particularly on those American television talk shows where more often than not, the person that is interviewing him is a white, middle-class person. They almost seem to be completely baffled by the power of his voice, the integrity of his voice, his anger and his sense of purpose. So I think it's very much a a rallying cry. And every single time I see the film, I feel uh, very impassioned. And I would say that the parts that are the most significant for me A lot of the images, of course, are very familiar to us because they're very famous or infamous issues, uh, uh, very infamous images, I Mm -hmm. would say. Uh, The assassinations, obviously the imagery, uh, most particularly about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, of course. Uh, But despite their ubiquity, despite how well-known those images are in the context of the film they seem to have an even greater power because they're provided with the context by James Baldwin and his writings and his voice.
0: Yeah it's interesting because as an Australian man you've obviously gotten a lot out of this film that is obviously meant to be targeted towards the American struggle and also American white population I'm guessing. So what do you, how do you think this film fits Australia's current political climate and what could we get out of it?
1: Well, I I think, as I said, I mean, it serves uh, the purpose not only of looking back, Uh which is to say as a chronicle of that period in the 60s of the civil rights movement in the United States. So it's not simply a time capsule that is specific to that time and therefore that culture, that country and its people, and of course their struggles. But I would say pertinent to us, of course, because it asks very big questions of every single human being, about race relations, whether we are white, middle-class, middle-aged, living in suburbia in Melbourne, or indeed uh, the disenfranchised and the marginalised. But I think most particularly for us who have the privilege of seeing this film, uh, which is one of the motivations for us to screen it, as I said before, it is to ask very big questions of who we are and our individual responsibilities and how it is that we see the world. And how we can change the world and our responsibility to be to be activists in our own way, I would suggest too.
0: Well that was a very articulate and very nice answer. I enjoyed that. Um, how What would you say to those people who are not wanting to go and watch the film? How would you encourage them to come and view the screening?
1: Well, that also is a very good question because, once again, in a sense, the title of the film is a a provocation and that may put people off, perhaps even ironically, because it could be seen to be almost a a, a racist taunt in a way. Uh, And obviously the word Negro is is something that has become, well, uh, filled with many different implications, all of them toxic. In order to encourage people to see it, uh, I, I would say that... The most important thing about these kinds of films and it's one of the functions of cinema for me as a means of change is as i said before it's by chronicling and looking at the past filtering that through our present circumstance and how we can look at the future and how we can engineer circumstances for the future so most people i I suppose consider cinema simply as entertainment yeah. And I would say on one level, the film gives great pleasure because it is a very well-made film, but it's not an entertainment. I would say that the film is, is very stirring, so it's not an ordinary night out uh, simply to relax.
0: No, most but definitely not.
1: For those people who are seeking to be challenged, and I'm sure uh, you and uh, your fellow students at RMIT and hopefully people listening, will actually want, in addition to wanting to be entertained, and of course that's that's perfectly fine. Everybody sometimes likes to eat a hamburger, but I think sometimes also, uh, and once again, that's why we have determined to have these special events where we want the audience to become very engaged in discussions about race relations, Uh, It is important that people seek out cinema, in my view, that is challenging and challenges who we are as people and our motivations and our moral codes and the way that we look at race relations. So really, I think the film is an invitation for people who want to be engaged by cinema people who want to be engaged and i think everybody should be engaged in questions of race relations particularly in australia in 2017 with the rise of a number of right-wing groups most of which are avowedly racist it is our individual responsibility to vote in this country i would say it's not everybody's responsibility to go and see challenging cinema but it's our uh, responsibility to be better informed. And as I said, it's sometimes by looking to the past uh, that we can better understand our present circumstances.
0: Yeah, but as much as it is challenging, I reckon it's also very inspiring and it's also yes. very, I don't know, rewarding to watch and very easy to watch because of the way he made the film. So on Monday, the 11th of September, you will be having a preview of the screening and also a discussion. Are you going to be focusing and targeting the discussion to to Australians, Australia's problem? racial problem and also political problems?
1: Yes, absolutely. The previous screening on the 11th of September with two remarkable young activists, Nayuka Gori and Kwado, mm-hmm. uh, each from quite particular cultural heritages, of course, uh, mm-hmm. and each of them are really kind of strident activists. This won't be a and a session. It won't be a session where the two of them will stand at the end of the film Uh, and talk only about their own circumstances. There will be a degree to which that happens. But what we want this to be is an open forum where every single person who is sitting in the cinema will engage with the film. And therefore, we invite people to not only come to the screening, but we are inviting every single audience member, either individually, groups, or as one, to ask questions, to make comments about what it is to be living in contemporary Australia, and most particularly issues around race where oh. we've come from, where we are and where we need to go. And they, the two of them, which is to say both Nayuka Gori and Kwadu, will be leading that question. And mm. in fact, rather than answering questions, they will be putting questions to the audience.
0: So it'd be a massive discussion with everyone who's watched the film. Exactly, well, exactly. So also on Thursday, you'll also be having a, sou- a performance reacting to the film. So uh,
1: that's right. Uh we have called that session The Sound of Resistance mm-hmm. and that's the day the film, if you like, officially opens, the fourteenth of September. Yeah. Uh so yes, as you say the, the screening will be followed by a series of responses will sponsors, uh musical performance responses uh, to the film and notions of protests and mm-hmm. the role of protest music and the sounds of resistance, obviously, because that's the title of the, of the session. Mm-hmm. And we've got two remarkable performances, uh, one a musician, the other a spoken word artist, uh, there'll be a, a small discussion immediately afterwards in the cinema itself. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go to the Acme Cafe, uh, which is right next to the cinema, of course. Yeah. And Sam the Greats and Abe Nook will be doing uh, separate performances, live oh. performances, uh, as well as uh, at this stage, hopefully, will be, uh, you know, there'll be a kind of a history of uh, protests through music and performance Uh, subsequent to both of those artists so that's going to be a really really once again a really engaged but also a more celebratory style uh, event if you like after the the screening on the 14th of September
0: also there'll be several performances on the day
1: Uh, that's right there'll be live performances uh, by those two artists
0: oh and that's all on Thursday the 14th of September so everyone should check that out yes exactly and on Sunday the 24th, people who'd go will also have the opportunity to listen to an influential talker. That's right.
1: There'll be two, uh, there are two academics. Oh, okay. uh, well, one is actually a former uh, American senator. Uh, uh, African-American whose name is Donald Betts Jr., and he is currently lecturing uh, at university here in
0: Melbourne.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Is he in Melbourne or in Sydney? I can't remember, sorry. And the other is uh, an American history professor, Michael Ondaatje, who again, just by sheer coincidence, by luck, uh, is teaching here as a, as a guest lecturer at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they quite specifically will be talking about race and politics and, and resistance, obviously, therefore the, the civil rights movement, from the period that is depicted in the film I'm Not Your Negro, and, and obviously tracing the origins of that back to, to slavery and so forth.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and they will be really charting the course of race relations, most particularly in the United States, but I would say also with some kind of context for not only contemporary uh, America, but indeed for Australia, hopefully to a degree as well.
0: This all sounds amazing. Well, thank you very much for talking to me, James.
1: Ah, Great pleasure. A great pleasure.